Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste Namaste. This evening on page 259, we're going to begin the discussion of the demise of self-conceit. Am I keeping you up? <laughs> I'll try not to be so boring tonight, Mother. You'll please excuse me. Uh, but anyone who can sit in the front row of my class and yawn with all the spitflets flying through the air, they are really hardcore sleepers. We're going to begin the discussion of chapter 10, which is the demise of self-conceit. And throughout this process, we put too much and too little into balance. We cut down the armies of the great ruler of duality, the great ego. And then we cut down all the generals in the army of self-deprecation and self-conceit. Last night, we defeated self-deprecation. And tonight, we're taking one more step towards the defeat of self-conceit. And let's meditate upon the form of the goddess. With the fullness of my heart, I think of the female ruler of all, Kaneshwari, the ruler of desire, the, the Ishwari of all come. Of all your desires, she is the supreme goddess of all desires, or she is the desire that conquers all the other ones, because all the other desires are puny in comparison with the desire for God. Who unites the intrinsic nature of Siva and Shakti, of consciousness and energy, who wears the radiant half moon on her head. Her luster is as beautiful as excellent gold. The sun, the moon, and fire are her three eyes. You've got the sun, the light of wisdom, and the moon, the illumination of devotion, and the fire, the purification of meditation, are the lights in her three eyes. And in her lovely hand, she holds a bow, an arrow, a curved sword, a net and a spear. Remember the bow is the sankalpa, the determination. The arrow is the one-pointed focus. The curved sword is the sword of worship. And the net is the net of unity. The spear is the focus and of your determined uh, efficiency. How do you achieve efficiency? By being one-pointed in your focus. And the Rishi said, Seeing his brother's self-deprecation, who was dear as his own life, slain, and his strong forces being conquered, self-conceit spoke these words in anger. O reliever of difficulties, <clears throat> Durga, you wicked and proud of your strength, do not show your pride to me. I am self-conceit. I have the most conceit of anyone. Who are you, this little girl, showing your pride to me? You fight by the means of the strength of others. Remember, there was Brahmani and Vaishnavi and Narsingi and Bharati and Komari and Maheshwari and all and Indrani. I don't want to forget her. All the gods sent their goddesses to come fight with self-deprecation, and he was defeated. 
by them all. And now self-conceit says, ha, look at you, you gotta hide behind this army of girls. Uh, you can't come face me one-on-one. -on -one. Ah, chicken. You fight by means of the strength of others. And the goddess said, I am the only one here in the perceivable world. No other exists beyond me. Oh, wicked one, see as these manifestations of my energy enter into myself. So all of these manifestations of energy are just extensions of my energy. There is one energy in the universe, and that's the mother of the universe. And then all the goddesses, led by the creative energy, that's Brahmani, they dissolved into the being of the goddess, and there was only one existence in the perceivable world, the mother of the universe. Everyone else was all the akar became nirakar. Everything that had form, all the sakar, became niraka. And now there is only aham, ego, me, I, self-conceit, and twam, the mother of the universe. Aham, twam. Dwitiyang na mama pra. And I re the goddess said, I resided here in many forms which were manifestations of my energy. Every form of the universe is a manifestation of my energy. These have all been withdrawn by me. Now I stand alone, stand up to fight. Prepare yourself. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. You are about to meet your demise so that there will only be a home. And no plum. <laughs> no, no, no. No plum. Dwitliyam ka mama para. And then the goddess of the Rishi said, the goddess and self-conceit began a dreadful battle while the gods and thoughts looked on. We became spectators in watching the two of them fight. My ego doesn't want to surrender. I'm not giving up. This battle's going to go on so long as I have the strength. Everyone who does anything will serve me. Self-conceit. Everyone will say, I am the doer. <laughs> I am the recipient. I am the beneficiary of all action. With showers of arrows, sharp weapons, and incredible missiles, the combat that engaged them was frightful to all the worlds. The mother of the universe discharged hundreds of divine missiles which were cut by the Lord of Thought by his defensive weapons. And as many excellent missiles as were hurled by him were playfully cut by the Supreme Sovereign with fierce incantations of hmm and other mantras.
Then the fat fought, covered the goddess with hundreds of arrows, and the goddess in anger cut his bow with her arrows. With his bow broken, the Lord of Thought took up his energy, but that was cut by the goddess with her discus while it was still in his hand. Then the Supreme Lord of Thought took his brilliant sword and shield bearing a hundred moons and rushed towards the goddess. As he was approaching, she who tears apart thought cut his sword with sharp arrows from her bow and also his shield as bright as the rays of the sun. With his horses slain, his bow cut, and without a charioteer, that thought seized a fierce mace trying to kill the mother of the universe. As he approached, she cut his mace with her sharp arrows, whereupon he continued towards her with great speed to strike her with his fist. And that renowned thought brought down his fist on the heart of the goddess, while the goddess struck him in the chest with her palm. Struck by the blow of a palm, he fell to the ground, but the king of thought immediately rose again. Then seizing the goddess, he rose up into the atmosphere, and there also she who tears apart thought waged battle with him without any support. There they were, dancing in the clouds. Then that thought and she who tears apart thought began to fight in the atmosphere as never before, causing astonishment to adepts and men of wisdom. We all looked down with astonishment. Bishman, it was just astonishing to look at that fight. How could the self-conceit have so much conceit that he would fight with the mother of the universe in the atmosphere. After a long, close encounter, the mother of the universe raised him above, spun him around, and threw him to the earth. Spot! Thus thrown to the earth, he hastily got up and raising his fist, that wicked one rushed forward to kill she who tears apart thought. Seeing the approach of the sovereign of all thoughts, the goddess pierced him in the chest with her pike and threw him again to the earth. Spot. Pierced by the sharp point of the goddess's pike, he fell dead upon the ground, shaking the entire earth with its oceans, islands, and mountains. When that evil one was killed, the entire universe was pleased. All was at peace and the sky became clear. The flaming clouds of symptomatic confusion became tranquil after his fall, and the rivers flowed in their courses. Those flaming clouds at the eruption of, of confusion, which is symptomatic to being a servant of self-conceit, all the skies became clear, the atmosphere clear, and even the rivers followed their courses. There was nothing overflowing except our love for God. On his death, the minds of the multitude of gods became overjoyed. 
celestial minstrels began to sing sweet songs. Jay Chandi, Jay Jay. Other celestial minstrels played their instruments while the heavenly maidens danced. A gentle breeze began to blow and the sun shine radiantly above. The sacred fires burned brilliantly in peace. We all did yagyas in celebration. <laughs> Yippee! Self-conceit is dead. And peaceful became the fearful sounds that had filled all the directions. Om. Om Sam Sarasvati Indamaha. Namaste. Let's see if there are any questions about what just transpired in chapter 10 with the death of self-conceit. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nandama! Dear Swamiji, what is the difference between the death of self-conceit at the hands of the goddess and at the hands of the people we interact with, co-workers, bosses, family members, etc.? Should we accept it or fight it when others cut us down to size? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we can't defeat self-conceit, Nandama. He's too strong for us. He won the boon. Only the mother of the universe can defeat him. All we can do is look on, take the punches appropriately, and receive them and recover very quickly. What do you care if they score points and cut down your conceit? Thank you! I'm trying to get rid of that conceit anyway. All I want to do is get the job done and go home and sing about the glory of the goddess. I don't have to defeat you, or I don't have to put up a defense against you, or I don't have to show that I'm better than you. I don't, all I have to do is get the, the work done and go home and sing the chande, do the puja, live in peace and harmony. What do I have to prove to those co-workers? Who are they that I would even think that I should put up a defense mechanism and yeah. They are so small and it's so insignificant. Why would you waste your time? You, you don't want to make a harmony with me? You want to work against me in the same office? How are we going to do that? Guys, let's get back on the, with the program, get on target, let's make our plan, let's make our budget, let's make our sankalpa, let's just go and do the work according to the numbers. Check them off, one at a time, as we go. What do you have to prove? You want to cut me down? Go ahead, cut me down. You can't cut me down, I'm already so small. You want to cut me smaller? Okay, cut me up into little pieces and see how that affects my, my productivity. Do you want to empower me to do the best job I can to help empower you? Or do you want to cut me down and prove that you are superior to me and therefore what? You're so superior you want to do your job and my job? <laughs> go, go, go ahead! <laughs> That doesn't make sense, Nandama. You have nothing to prove to those co-workers or people in the office. There's absolutely... A, you're right! 
Of course you're right. Now, what do we do next? What's the next step in our pro program? I know you're right. Now, you tell me, what's the next step in order to accomplish our objective? I've got to return, I've got to generate a return for the investors in this company. How are we going to do that? Now, now we agree that you're right. Now, tell me, how, did, how are we going to work together to generate a return for the investors so that the management will be pleased, so that everybody works together in the greatest of harmony? That's the only goal. Get the job done. Who cares who's right? We have a question from Ambika in Princeton. Namaste, Ambika, ma. Namaste. As I do sadhana, as sadhana and practices more and more, I find myself feeling better, stronger, and more loving. However, sometimes these feelings actually feel scary and I sabotage myself. <gasps> is this self-sabotage self akin to self-deprecation, self-conceit, self or just being plain insane? <laughs> Why does something positive bring fear? That was a question in the first chapter! Ambika, that was the very perverse question with which this discussion began in chapter one, where the king and the businessman went to the intellect of love and they went to the Rishi and they bowed down to the Rishi and they said, we understand it's so beautiful here, it's so peaceful here, why would I want to run away and become a clerk in a grocery store? For what purpose? Why am I running so quickly away from this? I know and I understand and intellectually I can, I, can, I can clearly see the defects in my thinking. Why am I doing it anyway? That was the first question they asked. Ambika, you have to ask yourself that question every day. What would I really want to do with my life if I were allowed to define it myself? Wouldn't I love to sing the praise of the goddess who took away my self-conceit and took away the stupidity of my foolish ideas that I've got to go out there and be a somebody and do with something and I'm going to come back and show that I'm better than the, than the next employee? We should keep our mind empty, but that's hard to do. It's hard, it's easy to talk, but it's very hard to think of nothing. Everyone all around the world, please think of nothing right now. Go ahead, I'm giving you a moment, just think of nothing. Oh, that's a something. <laughs> think of nothing. I am a something. And if you can't think of nothing, then I suggest we think of one thing. That one thing. Choose it yourself. Call her Chandi. Call her Srima. Call her Lakshmi. Call her Saraswati. Call her Durga. Call him Siva. Yeah. As you like that one thing, think of, if you can't think of nothing, well, think of one thing. Not two. <laughs> one. <laughs> now, if you can't think of one thing, then think of two. Think of Shiva and Shakti. 
And if you can't think of two, well then think of three. Aim, ring, claim. If you can't think of three, then think of four. Etc., etc., etc. And then get into the bhavana of a guided meditation, and that's called puja. The puja is a guided meditation which brings you from the four to the three to the two to the one. And then when she's satisfied, you can think of nothing. And that's the process, Ambika. If you cannot think of nothing and you know you're doing it wrong and you know you're making a silly mistake, why make a silly mistake? Just go do the puja. And through the puja, you will think of the ten, and then the nine, and then the eight, and then the seven, and then the six, and the five, four, three, two, one. Two. <laughs> Blast off. <laughs> it's true. So if you take, think of the Dash Mahavidyas, the ten forms of knowledge of Mahakali, and the nine Durgas, and the eight energies, the eight Ashtashakti, and then the, 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 the seven forms of Yam, the how he controls in seven forms, and the six faces of Shanmugan, of, of Kartikeya, and the five Panch Mahabhuts, Panch Indriyas, Panch, there are so many fives. And then the four, Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha, Chatur, Bhargava. And then the three, Aim, Ring, Klim, Sristi, Stiti, Loy. And then the two, Shiva, Shakti, Purush, Prakriti. And then the one, Aham, Brahmashme. And then, think of nothing. And that's called puja. And that's a guided meditation. And we brought our consciousness step by step into the presence of the divinity. And even if you see the defects in your thinking just like the king and the businessman did in chapter one, you can still do puja. Yes, please. We have a question from Vish. Namaste, Vish! Namaste, Swamiji. What is the significance of Mother striking the ego with the palm of her hand on his chest? Well, he brought his fist down on her heart with all his force, and she just put out her hand, and just touching the palm of her hand to his chest was enough to deflate him. The slightest touch, the slightest side long glance from the mother. She looks out of the corner of her eye at you. All you have to do is see her once. Just a glance, just a touch, just a feeling, just one one unity between your Ganindriya and the object of your perception, and you get that prakash. You get that illumination. You get to merge into union with the divinity. So here's self-conceit with all his force, bringing his fist right down on the heart of the Divine Mother. And she just puts out her palm and touches him in the chest. And he falls to the ground in a heap. No match! No, 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 
He's known that self-conceit cannot stand up in front of, he cannot stand erect was the language he used in front of the goddess of the universe. We have a question from Sadat Mananda in Washington. Namaste Sadat Mananda. Namaste. The mother of the universe gave self-conceit darshan and he didn't even do any tapasya. He was just conceited. Yet she holds that vision from us. What's the deal with that? Well, you gotta do as much tapasya as he did. Uh, he did a lot of tapasya. He said, everybody who does anything does it for me. I am the most conceited person. I dwell in every being of the universe. And he saw himself as universal. So therefore, he got the darshan. Now, if you see yourself as universal, then you get the darshan too. If you think that you are limited to that one little body that you're walking around with, that one definition of sadhapananda, then you don't know what is the pure soul. The soul of truth, the bliss of the soul of truth, Sadatmananda. Sat Atma Nanda, the bliss of the soul of truth. You forget. And you say, Oh, I am this little form. Look at the mirror and see that guy. <laughs> he looks like this, and that's me. And that's not the tapasya which will grant you the darshan of the Divine Mother. Please. We have a question from Sunil. Uh, namaste Sunil! I have seen lots of benefits after starting Chandipat, but every now and then I feel it's not the Chandi but the Law of Attraction, meditation, which is working. But coming so far, I am scared to stop reading the Chandi. Kindly guide. Don't stop! <laughs> Don't stop! Chandi and the Chandi pot guides you into the presence of divinity where you can meditate. Just like we were speaking before, Mother said, close your eyes and think of nothing. You didn't do too well. In fact, the whole class failed. Now instead, read the Chandi and get your energy and your pranayama and your focus and your, your bhavana so tich, so strong, so clear, so defined that all you can think of is the presence of the Divine Mother. And then you get to meditate. If you try to meditate without putting yourself into the environment, into the asana, into the pranayama, into the mantra, into the bhavana, into the, the mudras and the kriyas and the whole rest of it, it's going to be like mom saying, think of nothing. All right, now what's next? <laughs> Got to think of something. Think of Chandi Sunil. She's so beautiful, she's so strong, and we are so proud of you. And all that you are doing in the furtherance of her, of her agenda. Go ahead and read the Chandi pot and then meditate. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma! Namaste. Dear Swamiji, I'm guessing that you might have been raised Catholic because you do the Latin Mass. 
If so, were you inspired by the saints? Did you want to reflect them? And then from that, how did your practice and focus change when you found the Chandi? Well, I was, I was raised as a capitalist. <laughs> and, excuse me, this is my class. And that was my primary religion. So we, we do the Latin Mass, definitely, and we do chant in Sanskrit. And we, we did write books for Shiva and Shakti and Krishna and Rama and Hanuman and all the forms of the Divine Mother. But we just love God in every language and in every tradition, in every way we possibly can. And that's my goal. So it, when I met, met Chandi, it was really beautiful. It was love at first sight. I took one look at Srima and said, that's the lady I've been worshiping all these years. And with no name and no address, no telephone number, and not even knowing what city she came from, I went off in search of her. And you know what? It didn't take me one day to find her. That's okay, India only has a billion people. My feet knew the way. I just took one look at her eyes and my feet knew where to go to find her. And I went to Kolkata and I said, where's the Divine Mother? And the rickshawwala looked at me like, oh, did you come from another planet? <laughs> She's on every street in Calcutta. There is no street in Calcutta without a temple to the Divine Mother. And my feet knew the way. So all I can suggest to you, Julia, is fall in love. Right. I mean, just fall in love, hook, line, and sinker. Just go head over heels. Don't even think about it. Yes, Mother, <laughs> fall in love with faith. Huh. Namaste. We have a question from Moshami and Siddharth in Boulder. Namaste, Moshami, Namaste, Siddharth. Pranam. In the fifth verse, Dvitiya Kamamapara tells us that the goddess Chandi is the, is the only thing in all existence in the perceivable universe. Does it mean that the wicked ones are the manifestations of her energy? If so, what is the purpose of manifesting her energy in the form of asuras and then absorbing them back again within her? Mushrami, she is the energy within everything and all. Nothing exists without her energy. Now, in order to have an earth, we need a centrifugal force and we need a centripetal force. Then the earth can stays in its access and we get access to the earth if we don't have opposites if we don't have duality we cannot have manifested existence so she Shiva wanted to see her Shiva was sitting there with his eyes closed for about 700 million years and said this is getting boring I'd like to see something else. How are you thinking? 
<laughs> That's the way it goes. <laughs> Even Shiva starts thinking. <laughs> and then he manifested as Shakti. And the duality was born. And then once there was Shiva and Shakti, then there was Cain and Abel, then there was good and there was bad, there was evil and there was, there was Dharma. There were Shures and Ashures. There were gods and demons and then Swami came. <laughs> Uh, uh, the assistant bookkeeper trying to reconcile all the differences. <laughs> you got to reconcile the accounts from time to time. So, Bushami, this is a, 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 inherent in the duality. There is no way that we can have duality without having the manifestation of the opposites. Lori says. As I read the Bhagavad Gita text, Krishna tells Arjuna to fight when, he's, when he is experiencing despondency in the first chapter. Yes. This is the battle of our inner thoughts and desires that uses up our energy and holds back our spiritual growth. Chandi Ma helps us in this inner battle when chanting the Chandi. Is this where both the texts are similar? Oh, they are very, very similar and they have some distinctions. You see, Bhagavad Gita tells us the way that, the, the, that we should become as perfect devotees. The Gita tells us to surrender everything we do to God. And Chandi says, how do you do it? You sit like this, you chant like this, you breathe like this, you put the flowers here. This is how you organize your life. This is how you organize your worship in order to accomplish the objectives of the Gita. So that's where they are similar. We have a question from Laura. Yes, please, Laura. Namaste. Namaste. You have said that Lakshmi, Ganesh, Gauri, Mahesh are the big four for worship. Are Vishnu and Saraswati not as helpful? Oh, they're very, <laughs> they're very helpful. Please, please help clarify. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, they're very helpful and you want to worship them all. Uh, just, we, we live in the Devi Mandir, we worship the Samasti Upashana. So we worship Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, Mahakali, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Ganesh, and the Guru who just came from Rishikesh uh, to give us blessings. Everyone who's in the Bay Area, please come to the Devi Mandir on Sunday morning and you'll get the blessings of a great Swamiji from Rishikesh. We have a question from Usha. Namaste, Usha. Namaste. Uh, are, are you in, uh, in uh, Canada? I can only assume so, Swamiji. You can? Very good. <laughs> Yesterday, there were eight moons on self-deprecation shield. Yes. Today, there are a hundred moons on self-conceit shield. What do they symbolize? They symbolize more than I can count. <laughs> it means there's a whole lot. He is so devoted to protecting his own self-conceit. The shield is his, his, his faith in his own conceit. And he's got a hundred moons, which means it's a, a, a lot of moons. Many moons ago. And so he, we have the, the, the shield of his faith in his own self-conceit. No one can defeat him. And it means he's got uncountable symbols of the faith he has in his own self. 
That's why he had so much conceit. He said to the Divine Mother, you come down from that altar and serve me. I don't have time to go to you. Who's going to put all those flowers there every day? That takes two and a half or three hours. Uh, you come down here and come to my office. You'll be with me. Uh, well, I do all the important things of the world. I don't have time for you. That's how much conceit, self-conceit has. So now his shield is inlaid with 100 moons, which means he is extremely devoted to his own self-conceit. We have a question from Nanda. Namaste, Nandama. Is there any significance to the fight happening in the atmosphere? Yes, it's in the subtle body, it's in the gross body, it's in the causal body. It's going on everywhere all the time. Every moment of the, mo of the day, at any time, self-conceit can come and attack us. Even in our thoughts, even in our minds, even in our subtle body. So we have the earth, the atmosphere, and the heavens representative of the gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body. And that's why it's all going on in your mind. We have a question from Swarupananda. Namaste, Swarup! In this chapter, Mother takes all her forms in, and they all come back to the one. When I think of Mother, I can see her in one form at any given time, as Chandi, Durga, Kali, etc. Still, seeing her as multiple forms at once makes my mind frustrated. It sees differences in the forms and wants to think they are not one. How can I reconcile this within my mind? You should be very privileged instead of frustrated. Swarup, what a privilege it is to have so many different forms of the Mother battling on your behalf. They're all fighting for you. Uh, you should be happy. Uh, be, uh, just think of all the assets that you have. You called Mother to come, and she came in the form of Sriman, and then she became Brahmani and Vaishnavi, Maheshwari and Vainaki, and she became Komari and Indrani, and she took so many forms just to protect you. We have a question from... Jalane? Yes. Namaste. Namaste, Swami and Shri Ma. I have always been a solitary person, preferring to be alone. As I began to read the Chandi, and more I fell in love with the Divine Mother, I have been feeling even more solitary. I don't quite understand this. Can you give it some meaning? Or give me some understanding? Rather. <laughs> yes, what a privilege it is to be alone with the Mother. All you would want to do is sit and be with her. You can use your meditation, you can use your puja, you can use your pot, the recitation of the scripture, the study of the philosophy, the, the application of these mantras to your life. You can use all of these various uh, applications to be alone with Ma. Uh, and certainly you would want to be alone. I do too. And she got so because she got too much love with mother. Oh, you got too much love for mother, so therefore you want to be alone with her. You don't want to share her anymore. That's fair. We'll allow that. Yes, please, Shivani. We've talked before about how um, the mother acts according to her nature. So, so is it the Divine Mother's nature to go to battle with the ego? It is her primary purpose in life. All of these forms of the Divine Mother were conceived and infused with life force, 
for the sole purpose of battling the ego for us. See, all came, we said, Mom, we want to spend time with you and with you alone. How do we remember you everywhere uh, all the time? She said, you can't. The Maya's too strong. You've got to see me use some one place, in one form, at one time. And then when you know what to look for, you can look for me everywhere, all the time, in every form. First practice to be with me in one place, in one form, in one time. And so she said, go down to the river and scoop up some mud, mix it with straw and pray. And that's what we did. And these are the forms that came out of the mud of the river. And they all came out of the mud of the river and they said, build us a temple. Make us a Davy Mundir. We've come to take away self-conceit. We're going to take away the energy from self-deprecation. We're going to fight with the great ego himself. That's the only reason they came into manifestation. Every one of these forms said, we're going to take all the negativities away from you. And that's what they're doing. So that's her purpose in life. Her purpose, purpose in manifested existence is to remove the energy from all duality and give it to the gods so that you can shine. Right. <laughs> yes, please. So, so is she always fighting with the Asuras then, or does she only fight when we call her? Well, she fights for us when we call her, but there's somebody calling her all the time. <laughs> All the sadhus in the world have an agreement that one of us will be making job at some time in the day or night. Uh, but all 24-7, it's going on. Somewhere in the world, there's a sadhu right now who's saying, That's why this swami got to come to visit us. Because uh, he does his duty too. <laughs> he takes a shift, and then I take a shift, and I pass it on to the next sadhus. And all of us together have an agreement that at some time, day and night, one of us at least, somewhere in the world, one of us will be doing job of the mantra. Isn't that right, Swamiji? Pranam. <laughs> we have a question from Vivekananda in Seattle. Namaste, Vivek. Namaste. What is the best way to go about training the body to sit for extended periods of time to chant the chandi longer and longer? How do I actually get both the knees to touch? How to actually get both the knees to touch the floor is confusing, much less to stay there for hours. The pain can be so distracting. Vivek, please look at the yoga section on our website. Uh, <laughs> our chief yogi, Mr. Swami Adityananda, he, he went and he showed you some of the asans that you can perform that will increase your capacity to sit longer. Especially, I would recommend the Bhadra Asan, I would recommend the Trikona Bhanda Asan, I would recommend, there are a bunch of Asans, and next time you come here, we'll sit and do Asans again. There are many Asans that you can practice. And if you come at the right time, Swamiji will teach you Pranayama. <laughs> uh, he's master of Pranayama. We have a question from Ambika. Namaste Ambika! Is verse 6 the basis for when you tell us that when we call all the gods and goddesses, one god and goddess, they all come? Oh, well, that's a, it's a basis for sure. Because there was only one 
she resided here in many forms, which were all manifestations of her energy, and they have all been withdrawn, so when she shows up, all the gods and goddesses are present. That's the kind of mother we have. All she's got to do is show up, and all divinity is present. You can forget about the rest. Please. We have a question from Vish. Yes, Vish! What is the meaning of whom? Can it be used at other times in our life to help us? Yes, it's an astra mantra. It is a weapon. It reduces all the asuras to ashes. It is a... a, a Actually, it has really no etymology. All you would say is ha is the gross body, and oo is the circumstance, and moi is perfection, and whom is the, the perfection of the circumstances of your life. And that's what it means etymologically. However, in practice, it's an astra. It means like cut the ego. Like cut, like burn it. Dwala, dwala, dwalaya, dwalaya. Ring, ring, cling, jamundai, ribiti. Dwala, hum, fat, swaha. We have a question from Nanda. Nanda? <laughs> the Chandi is all about demolishing negativities, but not about empowering the positives. Why is it so? Oh, when she takes away the negativities, the gods dance, the rishis and munis celebrate, the apsaras are singing, and the gandharvas are playing musical instruments. Everybody is happy. Uh, I, I think it's a celebration. We all get to enjoy. Yes, please, Srini Baba. Uh, Swamiji, when we define a goal, uh, some of us, if, when we achieve the goal, we get self-conceit. Yes. <laughs> we don't achieve the goal, we get self-deprecation. Yes. Uh, how do we avoid that? Uh, well, we realize that the goal is just a placeholder, a marker of the direction that I'm traveling in. I don't really need to arrive. I need to focus and move in that direction. If the goal is union with the Divine Mother, well, the first thing I want to do is learn how to do the puja. So the union with the Divine Mother is really an opportunity, but you, it, it, learning to do the puja is the first step in that journey. Now, how, how much knowledge do you need of the puja? Remember, pu means punya, the highest merit. Ja means jatha, to give birth. And puja are the actions which give birth to the highest merit, the privilege to sit in the presence of God. Now, in order to learn the puja, you're going to need the asana so you can sit still. You're going to need the pranayama. The Swamiji has come to teach us pranayama. You're going to learn the mudras and the kriyas and the abhigadabhyakar and ucharan, darshan shastra, itihasa, hitya, and then you weave it all together into a padoti. And that is the system of worship. And the word tantra means to weave. So all puja is tantric because we weave together all the various branches of knowledge that we study in order to move closer and closer towards the goal. 
So there's really an infinite number of steps that you can take towards reaching that goal and we'll celebrate each success, not with self-conceit, right. but with, with the privilege of coming closer to the Divine Mother. That sense of privilege, I got to come, I got to chant the chandi at five verses to the breath with perfect pranayam today. I got to sit in one asana for the duration. I got to, these are all privileges that she's extending to you. Each success is a celebration, not with self-conceit, look at me, I did it, but how privileged I am that she gave me the, the power, the, the knowledge, the capacity. She empowered me to do it. <laughs> we have a question from Sadhana Shakti in Seattle. Namaste Sadhana Shakti! Pranam, sometimes the ego tries to convince me that I am not in love with God. I feel like the only thing I can do to not go crazy is to keep checking off the to-dos on my list. Please advise. Oh yes, that's a very thing, good thing to do. Keep checking off the to-dos. <laughs> Just keep checking them off. I'm not listening to you, ego. You're not telling me good things that I should remember. What do you mean I'm not in love with God? Of course I'm in love with God. Look at my list. Now, back to work. Break's over. <laughs> Enough of that kind of thinking. Salam uh, Shakti, we don't have the opportunity, we don't have the privilege, we don't have enough time to think about such foolish things. Of course you're in love with God. Uh, you, you send me five emails a day. How can you not be in love with God? Just keep checking off things from your list. We have a question from Laura. Yes, Laura, namaste. Namaste. When the Asuras and the Chandi are defeated, they go to heaven. In the Sanatan Dharm, what is heaven? Is it a place? Is it, is it a place that is our real home, or is it a state of mind, or both? Oh, both. It, 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 it's not really a geographical location. If you look on any map of the world, you won't find any place labeled as heaven. However, you know when you're there. You, you can feel it. I mean, I, I saw you smiling so broadly a few weeks ago, and I knew you were the goddess who was illuminating the heavens. There is just no question. It's a priori knowledge. How do you know when you're in love? She knows now. She knows, <laughs> huh? <laughs> yes, she does. Okay, so you know it. It's a priori knowledge, Laura. You, you just know it. You feel it. You, you can understand when you're in heaven. Yes, we have a question from Jennifer. Uh, namaste, Jennifer! You tell us that when we think of the Divine Mother, there is no room for other thoughts. But it seems the mind has an amazing capacity to multitask. You have mentioned that we may be in the middle of chanting when egocentric thoughts pop into our heads and interfere with our concentration on the Divine Mother. Even when we throw ourselves into Divine Waters, we are beaten by the waves. What are we to do? Oh, and just love her more. Just keep loving her. Don't worry about all of the waves that are coming across uh, the ocean. Just, just love her. There was once a doll made out of salt, and he said, I'm going to measure the ocean. And he jumped into the ocean and dissolved. Take that leap, Jennifer. Just jump in and dissolve. You're allowed that privilege. Just jump in and dissolve. 
Yes, please, Shivani. We've talked before about bowing down with discipline. Yes. So I'm wondering, as, as time goes on and we're, we're trying to come closer to Divine Mother, what can we do um, in the midst of our discipline to keep that beginner's mindset of that, of that joy and privilege and love of first finding the Mother? Respect your every action. Pay attention to everything you do and try to make it the best you can possibly make it because you're in love. Because this is my, the token, the symbol of my love. What you cook, you cook for God. What you, what you write, you write for God. What you post, you post for God. What you do, you do for God. And let that be the symbol, the token, the representative, the ambassador of your love for God. Everything you do. And just keep that bhavana with you all the time. Just keep that feeling with you all the time. Just remember it. I, I'm, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to do the very best, the most efficient. Sadhu means efficient. That's why we are so privileged to have a sadhu come to join us because he is an efficient individual. He demonstrates such efficiency that he doesn't have to work for a living. The world wants to support him because he's so efficient he can show us how to improve our lives. That's a sadhu. And we come into his presence and he comes to visit us and we are filled with the effervescent joy. Because he's so efficient, he's so clear, he's so focused on his goal that he accomplishes everything he sets out to do as soon as he proceeds in that direction. He defines the goal, he defines the path, he makes the budget, he, he gathers his resources together, and he prosecutes the journey. That's the symbol of his efficiency. Become sadhu. In everything you do, and you'll remember God all the time. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste.